to the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings, who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, because God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Happy Father's Day to all of you dads out there today. We are very grateful for you and just as a way of expressing our gratitude for how you lead your families, how you serve in the church. Uh, we have a little book out in the lobby for you on the, as you exit, you can pick one of those up. Uh, we also have a little one liter of dad's root beer or cream soda. So be sure to grab one of those on your way out today. Uh, as we get started, if you have a Bible or a Bible app that you like to use, turn uh, to 1 Peter chapter 5. We're going to be looking today at verses 1 through 5. So 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 5 will be our text for, uh, for this morning. A few weeks ago, I got to have lunch with a guy that uh, many of you know very well, Tom Ellsworth. Uh, if you're new with us, Tom was our lead minister uh, for 40 years, recently retired. And it was just every time I get to connect with Tom, it's, it's always such a joy. I want to let you know we are working really hard on finding a Sunday for him to come back and preach uh, he has been a busy man in his retirement, which if you know Tom, it's not surprising at all, uh, but we're hoping that by the early fall, you know, sometime September, early October, uh, we'll be able to, to have Tom here again to, to preach. But, but there have been several times over the last year since his retirement and since I've stepped into this position that I have either sent Tom a message or just if we're hanging out face-to-face, -face, I have told him, Tom, I am so so, 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 so grateful for you, uh, for how you led this church, how you served it, how uh, you served in the community, and really just the, the many gifts that he left me uh, as his successor, as the one coming on his heels in retirement. I was really hoping that one of those gifts would be a model airplane that he had in his office. He everyone in his office. He had dozens of model airplanes. He, he didn't leave one of those for me. Uh, I, I keep looking in the ceiling tiles, hoping maybe there's one up there. I haven't found one yet. But he left me some even better gifts. Uh, gifts of this church that now I get to, to, to lead and, and serve. It, number one, we are a healthy, vibrant congregation. Like we see evidence of the Lord moving in, in ways that are just incredible. We have a clear mission, strategy. We have great ministries and programs in place that help all of us grow in our faith. We're, we're seeing people make decisions to follow Jesus for the first time every single week. In fact, in, in Iglesia Hispana, our Spanish-speaking campus, uh, last week, last Sunday, they baptized 10 people out at Lake Monroe. We got a picture of it up here on the screen. Yeah, that's worth celebrating, isn't it? So we're seeing evidence of God moving in his grace just in incredible ways here because this is a healthy, vibrant church family that God is moving in and is, is working through. By God's grace, we are debt 
free. We are a debt-free church. Yeah, we can celebrate that as well. Because there's a, like, that doesn't happen by accident. There is a lot of hard work. And, and many of you gave sacrificially uh, to make sure that we could be debt-free. So we no longer have anything that is holding us back. If there's a ministry that we want to start or do, we can do it. If there's a mission that we feel called to support, we can do it. I know friends uh, in ministry, their churches are straddled with millions and millions of dollars in debt. And it informs every decision that they make. We don't have that burden hanging over us. And a lot of it is because of Tom's vision to not leave debt to the person that was going to step in on his heels. And I am incredibly grateful for the work that he put into that and you all put into that. But then the third gift is maybe the the best gift of all that Tom left me in his retirement. And it's the gift of a healthy eldership. I'm telling you, nothing Nothing. I've, I've seen it in my own life. I've, I've seen studies about it. I've heard stories about it. Nothing can thwart the mission of a church faster than unhealthy leaders, unhealthy elders. Too often we hear of, of elders um, who are, are too busy or more busy fighting with one another than they are fighting for the kingdom, fighting for the church. And it, and it holds the church back. But I'm telling you, after four years of serving here at Sherwood Oaks, we have an incredible group of elders, godly men who lead us with humility. I've seen it multiple times. They are men who love the Lord. They love this church and they serve both sacrificially and faithfully. And I'm so grateful for them. If you walk through our our offices, uh, you'll find a a copy of our org chart that's hanging on on one of the walls. It's about the size of a sheet of plywood, but plywood is way too expensive these days. And so we have it printed out on paper. And so you can kind of see how does all of this work? You know, multi-campus organization uh, with close to 60 staff. How does all of of this work? That org chart kind of breaks it down. But what you'll notice is that the very top of our org chart is Jesus because it's his church. He is like the ultimate boss. He is the head of the church. The New Testament makes that incredibly clear. And so we just want this visual reminder that at the end of the day, every single one of us reports to to Jesus. But then right below that, you'll find our elders. And our elders, when we read and we study scripture, we feel like this is most representative of how God has kind of set the church, that, that the elders lead the, the body, the local body, local expression of the body of, of Christ. And so the elders lead and they shepherd and they oversee the local church. And so that means that we all kind of ultimately report to them as they report to Jesus. And so if you look at the org chart, you'll see that I, you, you may have a boss. Um, I have 13 guys that, that I report to as, as one unit, fortunately, but 13 men that hold me accountable to how I lead and to how I preach and, and to how we are serving as, as a church and who we're becoming. And, and, but here's the, the thing I wanna make just crystal clear. I joyfully submit to our elders I joyfully submit to our elders, not because of their position. If it was just a thing about position, then I would submit to them. But I've seen them. They are men of integrity. They are men who love the Lord. And so I joyfully submit to them because of who they are. And if you were to pull out a job description of our, of our elders and, and kind of look, like ask the question, what do they do? It, you, it, would, it would focus around five Ps. 
The, the role of the elders is kind of broken down into, into five words that start with P. Number one is pray. Our elders spend a lot of time praying, seeking the direction and the will of God for our church. They pray for you, but, but they don't just pray for our church. Our elders pray with our church. And so many times I found out secondhand that a group of our elders went to someone's home and they prayed or, or they went and, and visited someone in the hospital or someone came to the church and they, and they spent time praying over them. It's just what they do. I remember when, when I was serving at our Bedford campus, there was a lady who was about ready to go through some chemotherapy and she was, she was just nervous about it. And she wanted uh, the elders to pray for her. And it was kind of short time notice. And so I sent a message to them um, in the afternoon and within an hour, they had responded saying, we'll be there. And that night they prayed with her. They laid hands on her. They anointed her with oil. And it meant so much to her. They, and that means that they left their families behind. Many of them gave up dinner with their spouse or with their children. They sacrificed something to be there to pray. But that's what our elders do. And they take it seriously. Number two, they, they preach. And that doesn't mean that you'll necessarily see them up here in the pulpit all the time. Although sometimes you, you will. But, but our elders uphold the authority of God's word. They seek its wisdom and direction for our church. They teach it formally and informally. They guard the doctrinal integrity of the church. They focus on the ministry of the word. Third, our, our elders set policy for the church. They create guiding, biblically sound policies that guide our church and our staff and kind of create boundaries for us to serve within. And by setting these guiding policies, that allows the elders to stay out of the weeds so that they can focus on things like prayer and like ministry of the word. They are empowering and they're giving authority and responsibility to others who then empower and give responsibility to others so that we can raise up more leaders and more people to serve in the church. Our elders protect the church. They guard against internal and external threats when, when necessary. Our elders have graciously practiced church discipline to protect the flock. They protect our staff, our mission, and our values to make sure that we stay focused on what God has called us to. And then finally, our elders provide pastoral care. They shepherd and watch over the church. They care for the emotional and spiritual and relational needs of people. They tend to the flock. And I believe that our elders fulfill all of these, these duties with the, the qualities and the characteristics that, that Peter talks about in our passage. Look at it again with me. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 4. This is what he says. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder, as a witness of Christ's sufferings, also as will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them. And not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be. Not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. Not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. And so as shepherds of the flock, our elders care for the church. They love the church. They sacrifice for the church. 
I've had days where, where I started with a, with a meeting with some of our elders at 6 a.m. and then they went off, they did their, their day job. And then they were back that night for another meeting that would go until 10 p.m. And they, they do it not out of obligation, but because they love this church. They don't do it because they want to gain anything from it. They're not paid for it. There are no perks. There's no special parking spots or anything like that. Most of them serve behind the scenes as to not call attention to themselves, but when there is a need, they are the first ones to show up to be with people. And they've answered God's call to lead and to shepherd and to care for this flock. And they provide all of us, myself included, a Christ-like example to follow in how they live their lives, how they love their families, how they lead their businesses, how they conduct themselves in the community. I see our, our elders living out this verse every single day, but, but this verse, these, these four verses really just kind of talk to a, a small group of people within our church. So what is Peter saying to the rest of us? Th those of us that make up this body of Christ. Well, I think Peter's message to us is found in verse five. He says, in the same way, you who are younger, Submit yourselves to your elders. All of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. And so, and so Peter turns from talking about how the elders should lead to how we within the church, how we should follow, how we should submit to those who lead us. And it all comes down to this word, humility. Humility. Humility towards one another. It reminds me of what he, what he said in chapter three, verse eight. He says, finally, all of you be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate, be humble. Peter says this as he's wrapping up a section that is all about how do we relate to one another. And I think he comes back to this idea and this characteristic of humility as he's talking about how within the church we relate to those who lead and who serve us. And so Peter says to those of you who are, who are younger, those of you who are younger in life, younger in faith, younger in leadership, responsibilities, to those of you who are younger, whatever that looks like, submit yourself to the elders. Put yourself underneath their oversight, underneath their mission for the church. And to make sure that that he doesn't leave anyone out or let us think, well, I'm not you know, really young anymore. All of those guys, they're younger than even I am. Or maybe not as spiritually mature as you think that you are. So I don't have to submit to them, which if you ever think that you are spiritually more mature than someone else, then chances are you're not as spiritually mature as what you think that you are. But that's another sermon for another day. But in case we think that, Peter says, listen, all of you, all of you clothe yourselves with humility towards those who lead you. And leaders, because I think they're included in that all of you, leaders clothe yourself with humility in the ones entrusted to your care, in the ones that you are leading. In other words, just live out Jesus with one another. 
Like I think if you, you could boil down the, the entire New Testament and just like go out and live like Jesus, be like Jesus. He is our example. Jesus humbled himself, submitted to the Father, even to the point of death on the cross. And so let the humility of Jesus be the example of how you lead and how you follow and how you serve within the church. And man, across the world, this has been put to the test over the last year and change. I was talking to a buddy of mine this week who leads a, a church in southern Indiana. And like most conversations that I've had, you have, it doesn't take long for the topic of COVID to, to come up. And specifically amongst you know, church leaders that I talked to, talking about how our church has responded and even reacted to it and all of that. And his experience, as he shared it with me, it was, it was a lot like many of the experiences that I'd heard from, from people that I've talked to. Kind of a, a mix you know, of both both sides polarized on this. He said that he had uh, people leave his church because of the policies that they put in place. And some people left the church because they, didn't, they felt like they didn't put enough in place. He had some people leave because they were taking this way too seriously. And he had some people leave because they weren't taking it nearly seriously enough. It's just kind of the situation that most leaders are in. If, if you lead anything, business, whatever, you probably experienced that as, as well in your life. But he told me about this guy that he was really close to, a friend who had been kind of a key volunteer for him for, for many years within the church, had served faithfully. And when all of this happened, his, his friend came up to him and says, listen, I just want you to know, I want you to hear it from me that I'm leaving the church. Like, it's ridiculous that you're asking us to wear masks. Like, there's, the Bible does not say anything about having to wear masks. And, and frankly, I think that you are giving into fear over, over faith. And so my buddy listened to him and he said, you know what, you're right. The Bible does not say a single thing about wearing masks, but man, it says a whole lot about submitting to your elders. And our elders have decided that for right now, this is the best practice for us to take. And so we're going to wear masks. And to his credit, he said, the guy looked at him and said, well, man, you got me there. I can't argue with that. <laughs> and, and he said he was one of their most faithful servants and leaders through a very difficult time. You see, the truth is, is that when it comes to leading and when it comes to following in the church, we submit and we don't do it because we agree with everything, but because it's what scripture instructs us to do, we submit to our elders because we submit to God, not because we agree with every decision. We submit to them because we are submitting to God. And if there's any, any place where scripture tells us to submit and we push back against it, it's more likely that we are pushing back against actually submitting to God. And scripture tells us to submit. Again, not because we agree, but because it's how he has designed his church. In fact, I'll let you in on a little secret. Oftentimes when our elders meet and they come to a decision, not everyone within the room agrees with the decision that is made. But you will never know it because they humbly submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. They model for us what Peter calls us to do. And so we submit to the leaders that God has appointed to shepherd his church, not because we agree with every decision, but because scripture tells us to. And we can have, listen, we can have 
honest discussion about points of disagreement. In fact, our elders, I've seen them welcome that. I've even seen them course correct because of heartfelt concerns of others. But at the end of the day, our elders are accountable to lead in a biblical way. And if they are, if we see the grace of Jesus in their life, we see the qualifications of an elder in their lives, then we, the church, we are accountable to follow them as God's appointed leader. The author of Hebrews writes this in chapter 13, verse 17. It says, have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those, this is important, who must give account. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. And so our elders humbly serve us and we humbly submit to them and, and have some in other places taken advantage of that or even abused it? Absolutely, absolutely. And if you've been a part of a church in the past where you have experienced this type of abuse, where, where the elders lorded over or the leaders within the church, even pastors, ministers, those who are called to care for and shepherd the flock actually, actually abused the flock. Man, I'm so sorry. Like that is way too common. And those leaders are gonna have to give account for those actions one day. But I can tell you with confidence that we have systems and structures in place of internal accountability, external accountability, and we are doing the very best that we can to make sure that all of us across the board lead above reproach, lead with integrity to make sure that something like that never happens here, that there is never an abuse of power. So I say it again, I joyfully submit to our elders. One, it's because how God designed his church. And I'm, I'm not about to argue with God about how he leads and loves his bride. That is, that is not something I want to take part in. But the second reason I submit to our elders is maybe a little bit harder for me to embrace, to me to kind of accept, even admit I submit to our elders because at the end of the day, I am still a sheep. <laughs> That's not a really flattering title, is it? In fact, a lot of times uh, it's, a, it's a title people give out there just being a sheep, you know, just blindly following what other people say. But I think that there's a reason why when the Bible describes us, it oftentimes uses that word, that we are sheep still in need of a shepherd that all of us are probably a little bit more like sheep than what we care to admit. Sheep are defenseless. When they're afraid, they have no way of defending themselves. And so they just fall down and give up. When they get hurt, sheep can't care for themselves. They don't have someone watching over them. Their wool will just continue to grow and grow and grow to the point that it actually affects them. They need someone to care for them, to put ointment on their wounds, to bandage them up. Sheep get lost easily 
they're, they're, they've got these tiny little brains that just focus on whatever is right in front of them, which is often just grass. And so they'll just eat and eat and eat and, and, and they'll look up and they have no idea where they are. They just kind of wander out. They get lost. Sheep are stubborn. They get stuck between two rocks. They don't back out. They just keep going harder and harder into the place where they're stuck and they lodge themselves even more. A buddy of mine sent me this, uh, this video a few weeks ago. Maybe you've, maybe you've seen it. Sheep stuck in this crevice in, in the ground and this young man's trying so hard to get him. Finally rescued him, gets free. The sheep is like, yes, freedom. Kaplunk. <laughs> Uh, can, we, can we watch that again? Uh, just because, because after I got the tears out of my eyes, I realized, oh, this is so like me. Like Jesus is going, I don't know how you got yourself into this, but I'll pull you out. Yes, thank you, Jesus. I'm never gonna go back there again. Oh, wait, there I am. <laughs> yeah, but it's not just that. It is that, but it's not just that. I'm defenseless. I have an enemy that is out to get me that I have zero chance to stand against on my own. You do too. When I fall down, I have a hard time getting back up. Some days are harder than others. I have wounds. You have wounds that we cannot heal. I get lost easily and I wander around and man, am I stubborn? And my wife just said, amen. (laughs) God knows this about me. He knows this about you, about us. And so he gave us spiritual shepherds on earth to watch over us and to care for us, to protect us and to lead us where he is taking us. But ultimately, listen, ultimately, God gave us someone and something even better. He gave us our good shepherd, Jesus, who came to lay down his life for us. Jesus says in John 10, 10, one of my favorite verses, some of my favorite words that Jesus tells us. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. He's talking about this in the context of sheep and a shepherd, and we have this very real enemy that is out to destroy us. It's not playing around, and we're going to talk about that more next week, but Jesus, Jesus, our good shepherd, provides and protects us. He guards against that enemy that wants to steal and kill and destroy and brings peace to our souls. Jesus is inviting us out of death and into the abundant life, and not only is he inviting us, but he has made it available through his very own life, death, and resurrection. And so today you may be lonely, but you can rest assured that your good shepherd, Jesus, he is with you. You may be anxious, but he cares for you. You may be tired, but our good shepherd leads us besides quiet waters and he gives our souls rest. You may be lost, but he is the way. You may be dealing with anger, this morning and he wants to give you his peace and his love. You may be broken, but it's by his wounds you can be healed. You may be addicted, 
stuck running back to it over and over and over. And our good shepherd wants to heal you. You may be in darkness, but he is a great light. You may be dying this morning, but he is the resurrection and the life, the good shepherd who will guide you home. He is your good shepherd who loves and who cares for you more than you will ever know. Stand with me as I pray. God, thank you for how you are faithful to us, even in the many times, Lord, that we are not faithful to you. And I'm grateful for your church and how you have designed it and how you have set it up. And Lord, here at Sherwood Oaks, uh, God, I, I love this church. I love, I love our family. Uh, I love what we're doing in the community and around the world, how we love our neighbors and the nations. Lord, there are still so many areas and so many ways in which in which we need to grow. So many ways that we uh, continue to want to do our own thing and go our own, own way. But Father, thank you for those that you have given to protect us and to care for us and to lead and guide and to ultimately shepherd us. Lord, they are an extension of your grace and Jesus to us. And so Lord, we just pray for them right now. We pray for them this morning, a prayer of gratitude. We pray that you will strengthen them. We pray, Lord, uh, for the time that they give apart from their families, from their friends, the activities that they want to do to be able to, to lead and to care for this church family. Lord, we are grateful for them and we pray a blessing on them this morning. And Lord, I pray that, that all of us will reflect the humility of Jesus and how we love one another and how we serve in this world. Thank you so much for Jesus, who was our example in all things. Amen. Thank you for watching this message from Sherwood Oaks Christian Church. Did you know you can view any message from the past six years at socc.org messages? You can also view complete worship services from the past month at socc.tv.